Ditch the clowns on the left. And the jokers on the right. And join Michael Smirconish right here in the middle. This is the Smirconish Podcast for independent minds. The headline is from the New York Times. RNC signals a pullout from presidential debates. Maggie Haberman broke the story, the lead of which is the following. The Republican National Committee is preparing to change its rules to require presidential candidates seeking the party's nomination to sign a pledge to not participate in any debates sponsored by the Commission on Presidential Debates. Republican committee officials alerted the debate commission to their plans in a letter sent on Thursday, a copy of which was obtained by the New York Times. If the change goes forward, it would be one of the most substantial shifts in how presidential and vice presidential debates have been conducted since the commission began organizing debates more than 30 years ago. Frank Farenkoff is the co-chair of the Commission on Presidential Debates, and he joins me now. Mr. Chairman, thank you so much for coming back to the program. Morning, Michael. You know I enjoy it every time I come. Well, thanks for saying that. So what's this all about? Well, we were contacted, oh, about a year ago uh, by the the RNC uh, saying that uh, uh, they objected to the commission uh, and they, in effect, said to us, well, we want to make sure that uh, we control who the moderators are, where we do the debates, the timing, the questions that are asked, etc., now, we constantly, between the commission, between uh, the cycles, uh, we always, you know, take, in, you know, individuals who have ideas about how we can do a better job. and we, we also spend a lot of time thinking on ourselves how we can improve what the commission does. And so I said I'd be happy to sit down with them and talk, and, and we did. I met with the chairman, and uh, in, in a way, she is under a, a little pressure. Normally what happens, and you remember, Michael, I was chairman of the Republican National Committee for President Reagan. It, what normally happens is that at the party convention every four years, a rules committee of the convention passes rules that govern the RNC for the next four years. The DNC is very much like that, too. Those rules can't be turned or, or moved in any way, shape, or form. But what happened, because there really wasn't a convention, uh, held uh, in, in 2020 for the Republicans. There was no rules committee. No rules were adopted. And so they're under a time squeeze. And that's why they presented their demands to us. And so we were happy to sit down with them and, and, and say, well, you know, we'll take into consideration the changes that you uh, want. But it was sort of because of their timing problems, it was their way or the highway. And so we indicated to them that we would consider their uh, uh, suggestions, uh, some of which were out of you know, there's no way we're, we're going to be able to do it. And we told them that. And so this is uh, their reaction to it. Did this catch you by surprise or had the, had you anticipated that this was coming? No, I knew I knew it was coming. It was coming. I, I must say this. Uh, the, the relationship uh, and discussion we had were extremely cor- uh, you know, cordial. There was no uh, uh, you know, indication of uh, animosity. It was just I think that the RNC is, is stuck in sort of a tough place. Uh, because of the failure of of the, uh, the of the party to have a rules committee at the 2020 convention that set the rules. Do you attribute this to what went on in the last cycle as between the Republican candidate, then President Trump, and the commission? Oh, sure. Uh, you know, uh, the uh, the chairman is there because uh, President Trump wanted her to be there. Uh, and as you know, the, the commission and, and the Trump campaign were at odds over many, many things, uh, 
including their refusal to follow the rules that they had agreed that they would uh, follow, like wearing masks to their family when they uh, in the halls where we held the commission, or excuse me, the, the debates, uh, the failure in the first debate uh, for the president uh, to follow the rules that each side got two minutes uninterrupted. I could go on and on, but I'm sure that there's a lot of, of that hangover, if you will, Michael, uh, from the debates uh, with, with, uh, with former President Trump uh, and uh, his relationship with the committee. Well, one of the developments that has come to light in one of the many books that's been written about the, the Trump presidency in its waning days is the fact that, and I, I lose track of which debate, but you'll know that it was the one that was most contentious, but that he had received a, a positive test result. Now, arguably, he also received a negative test result. Uh, but just before, you know, going on that debate stage, I know that was unknown to you and to the rest of the country at the time. Yeah, that 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 is true. Under the agreements that were reached uh, for that first debate that was held in Cleveland, and as you recall, the Cleveland Clinic was our medical advisor uh, because of the coronavirus uh, as to how to proceed. Both candidates agreed that they would communicate with the Cleveland Clinic that testing, positive testing, had not been, you know, involved with their candidates. Uh, it's my understanding that, remember, as I understand how it went, there was a positive test according to Mark Meadows' book, but then there was a later test that was negative. And I, so I was told that the Cleveland Clinic was advised by both campaigns that uh, on the day of the debate when they were flying down, coming down, they were both tested negative. And then when he arrived and his entourage, they were all unmasked. Yes. The, the rule was that uh, every, not, of course, not the candidates on the stage, but uh, that uh, anyone in the audience, you could not get into that hall without going through magnetometers and also having been tested. Tested. We'd set up a means by which everyone was tested to get in the hall, all the media and everyone else. And so when they, the family came out, they did have masks on, uh, and they walked out, sat down, and then took their masks off. The representative of the Cleveland Clinic went to each of them and offered them a, a mask, and they refused to put them on. Do you perceive this to be a negotiation tactic, or do you think you've reached a break point with the RNC? I, I don't think there's any further negotiations to go on. Now, there was one thing that we totally agreed with, uh, and that was the question of whether or not there should be earlier debates particularly because of the early voting that was uh, in place because of the coronavirus. And uh, we agree. We're, we're monitoring very carefully all the, the state legislative actions on election rules. It's too early now to determine, you know, whether or not we're going to still have the same situation in 2024 with regard to early voting. Uh, if we do have that in place, in the states, then there's no question that we, we would agree and probably move uh, at least one debate to an earlier time so that we people get to observe the, the candidates, uh, you know, prior to uh, sending their votes in. But it's too early to tell that. And we, we've told them that. And uh, but I think, again, like I said, I believe they're under a time restraint uh, because of the failure uh, of the convention to adopt rules. And so they're sort of uh, between a rock and a hard spot. But Might the other be, thing that's important, yeah, please, Michael, though, tell is me. that we, we never deal with the parties, ever. As you know, we've, we've been doing these debates since uh, 1988, 
we've done a total of 33 presidential and vice presidential general election debates. We never deal with the party organization. It's always with the candidate and his or her organization. I did this meeting and discussion with the party uh, because we listened to everybody. And so we, it wasn't a question of us negotiating with the party. We don't negotiate with either party or any other third parties or independent candidates until they're, they're, they meet the requirements of the Constitution. They, they're on enough ballots to conceivably get 270 electoral votes and the other requirements. And then we deal and, and we work with them to work out how we can proceed in, a, in an orderly way. And so that people don't conflate the two, Mr. Chairman, we are talking about the process that ensues when there is a nominee from the Republican Party and a nominee from the Democratic Party. And maybe if someone gets to 15 percent, a third party candidate as well. We are not talking about the primary process. That's correct. We're not involved at all. And in many ways, I think the the focus of of their committee that's going to work on this, uh, as they try to change the rule, is to focus on how the primary debates ought to be held. I know there was a lot of concern uh, by both parties how the primary debates are going, Uh, but uh, we're we're, we're different. We have nothing to do with the primary debates. We just do hopefully the three presidential and one vice presidential every four years. Do you think it must have entered your mind that perhaps this is driven by President Trump and his perhaps uh, unwillingness or lack of interest in debating if he's the nominee in the next cycle? Well, I, I just don't know. And I don't want to, you know, you know, think ahead here. And I don't know that he's not thinking about running for president, but that doesn't make any difference. Uh, we're going to, to examine what we did in, in 2020. We're going to make adjustments. Some members of, of the board will probably change because some people, you know, after a period of time, uh, get off the board. We put new members on the board so that we have diversity and, and, and a lot of uh, uh, people who are interested in, in making sure that we do a good job to you know, help inform the American people on the issues. So I don't want to you know, take any uh, gestures here that would indicate that, uh, you know, I think it's the president, former president behind the scenes any more than I would the, the, the President Biden's organization uh, in the White House rather than the DNC are involved in anything like this. And and finally, Mr. Chairman, a quick history lesson. So correct me if I'm wrong. It's since 87, 88 that the Commission on Presidential Debates has handled this. I mean, you have been the go to for that long. Started in 1988 uh, and we have done every general election, presidential and vice presidential debate since uh, a total of 33. Wow. Quite a record. You know, I'm waiting for the memoir. So get get busy. (laughs) You're Thank the, you, you're Michael. the, hey, you're the one who knows where all the bodies are buried. I hope someday those stories get told. Oh, then there are some stories, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate you're it very welcome. much. Frank Farenkoff is the co-chair of the Commission on Presidential Debates. There you go. Now, as Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. So, look, he's in a position to know because he's the former uh, head of the RNC himself. You know, there's the irony. He was the head of the RNC on President Ronald Reagan's watch. And now here's the current head of the RNC, Rona McDaniel, coming to him and saying, we can't participate unless things happen. I should say that the the Times coverage reports that uh, officials with the commission told the RNC in December that one of the party's demands 
is in particular unacceptable, and that is having non-voting representatives of either the RNC or the DNC at the commission's board meetings. The commission wrote that it was still studying that and other concerns that the RNC had raised, including the choice of moderators as part of its review before the 2024 campaign cycle. In the comments that were appended to this story in the New York Times coverage, because I said that they broke it, uh, someone raised, I thought, a pretty interesting point, which was this, quote, interesting that the interesting timing, given Trump's abrupt exit from recent NPR interview where he faced reasonable questions regarding his effort to thwart the certification of a lawful vote, my guess is that this RNC move would give cover to Republicans who do not want to publicly answer for their role in January 6th and the aftermath. But remember, as I made clear with Frank Farenkoff, we're talking about the process that kicks in after there are nominees, right? This is not what goes on in the in the primaries. The party hands, uh, handles that entirely on their own. Then in steps the Commission on Presidential Debates, usually three presidential debates and one vice presidential debate. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the SXM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Michael Smirconish for Independent Minds. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? (laughs) Yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.